Hey guys, it's Alexander Dahl with Manifest Brutality once again. Um, so I have another interview um, and we're kind of just going to go ahead and get straight into that uh, since I don't really have any other updates and without uh, further ado, um, here we go. All right, I'm currently on the phone with Tank of Outlaw Saint. Uh, he's one of the people that reached out to me about my interview project, and I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hey, this is Tank from Outlaw Saint. Um, basically, I'm a what I call an old man rocker, you know, one of those guys that is basically going to be performing until the day he dies. So tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, when you were growing up, what was kind of one of, like, the linchpin moments that made you realize that, music was something that you wanted to have in your life for the rest of your life? Well, basically, um, it, it actually happened back in 1986 when I was in sixth grade. Uh, okay. Up until then, you know, I've been listening to uh, basically everything that my parents listened to, you know, which was uh, pre-Beatles rock and roll and, and uh, old country. So basically, mm -hmm. when, once the Beatles hit the scene, they switched from rock and roll to country. <laughs> sure. And then... Uh, 86 friend of mine in high school felt kind of bad you know with the music that i was listening to and um hands me a mixtape the one of those original mixtapes you know with different songs being recorded on the same tape sure hands me hands me the tape says here take it home tell me what you think so i go home four songs on this tape never heard you know never heard the style of music before you know loud guitars it sounded pretty cool there was one song on there i thought was Rolling Stone Satisfaction, meaning I had heard of the song, but I never actually heard the song. Mm, sure. And then uh, the next day, I went back to my friend. I'm going like, dude, this is cool. And I'm going like, this this, this one, is this Rolling Stone Satisfaction? He looks at me really weird and says, no, it's Poison's I Want Action. Uh, <laughs> uh. Turns out <laughs> four songs off of Look What the Cat Dragged In, and you know, I was instantly memorized with, you know, with that type of style mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you know a year later he introduces me to uh, appetite for destruction mm, and the rest sure. they say is history awesome so once kind of that like bone was set uh did you like pick up an instrument after that did you do like concert band in school or anything well actually i did choir um i'm actually i don't look at myself as a uh, musician per se okay um, I'm definitely not an instrumentalist. You know, I, I tried picking up guitar, but uh, basically what had happened was is that I wanted to play guitar a year earlier than what the instructor, ins the guitar instructors in my area, you know, they're going, oh, you're too young, wait one more year. Weird. So I when I find they finally were, you know, willing to teach me, it was like I'm I'm feeling like I should already be a year ahead here. Mm-hmm. And to that point, it was just like, yeah, I was just, you know, I, I put it down. I, I'm, I'm one of those people where um, I, I, am, I call myself, you know, groove oriented, whereas I can't, I can't tell you which key I'm singing in, but I, you play something and I can match it. Sure. Um, when, and then when you're writing a song, I know where the solo begins and I know where it ends. Uh, you know, it's just, I just listen to a certain uh, parts of the song, even though I can't tell you what notes or chords they, they are. Sure. So you have more like an educated ear than a technical ear. Exactly. That, that's cool. Uh, so 
uh, were you in high school or junior high before when you started looking for band members or? No, I remember for the briefest moment, I remember trying to get into a three piece with my brother and one of our classmates, but you know, it was, that was more of a dream than anything. Okay. Uh, but I was in, the, I was in theater at the time. Okay. And, uh, and see, I've been performing, you know, in front of people, you know, in front of strangers since the age of nine. And okay, sure. uh, it wasn't until I graduated and I moved to the cities that, you know, the theater, suddenly there was just something about it that was missing. And that was when I started wanting to get a band together. Okay. So did you move to the cities specifically looking for like other musicians or was there like another external life component that led you into the cities? Well, actually, what had happened was, is that uh, back when I was in high school, I didn't know what a social life was, uh, you know. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, I didn't start, you know, socializing with people until 12th grade. And that was just because, you know, back back in the day, you know, 12th graders had to be respected. It didn't matter who you were before you became a senior. Once you became a senior, you had everyone had to show you respect. Sure, sure. I mean, it, it got to the point where anyone that, that made fun of you as a, as a senior got hazed, mm. you know, it was an unwritten rule. So, um, so w when I graduated, I thought I was going right. I thought I was going right into, you know, a career, you know, okay. I, I didn't, you know, I, just, I thought that was my next step in life. And so literally, uh, two weeks after I graduated, I went into college okay. and I guess I was interested in music a little bit at that point. And so I wanted to be a DJ. Okay. So I actually went to Brown College, uh, who at the time was uh, down in uh, South Minneapolis, and sure. uh, did a two-year. It was actually a year and a half program, but um, I took a, a semester off, so it ended up being, you know, a two-year. And by the time that I graduated, I was no longer interested in being a DJ. I was more interested in making music than I was broadcasting it. Okay. Okay. Sure. See, when you said DJ, my like immediate brain went to like, you know, spinning discs and whatnot. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think of the radio, but now that you mentioned it, I probably <laughs> yeah. should have gone there first. Yep. Well, that's a, that's a common misconception, you know, nowadays it's, you know, it, <laughs> I mean, when I was, you know, training to be a, a, a you know, a, a DJ, mm -hmm. they were just switching over from, you know, from the, t I mean, I was the last class to do a reel to reel for my audition tape. Okay. You know, it became digital right after, you know, right around the time that I graduated, everything turned to digital, which, sure, you know, sure. ch changed everything. So, so once you decided that the DJ path wasn't one, what you wanted to take, how did you go about the process of kind of formulating what kind of band you wanted to be in and then looking for people that would fit into that niche? Well, basically what had happened was, is that I, I was in a, a very in interesting uh, predicament where I was right on the borderline between, you know, half of my class still loved the eighties. The other half started getting into grunge. Okay. You know, I, I was literally on the borderline. Sure. And to me, it's just like all my friends, they started saying, oh, Kurt Cobain is the next best thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, it was just like, dude, I I just got introduced to 80s like, you know, like four years ago. <laughs> sure. 
So it's just like, I'm going like, that's the direction I want to go. Sure. And in the back of my mind, appetite was always um, the catalyst for that. Um, to me, appetite for destruction was the most uncommercial. Um, they were brutally honest about what they sang about. Back in sure. those days, it was like they had to write a rocker. They had to. It was all formulaic. They had mm -hmm. to write a rocker for the men. They had to write a ballad for the women. Yep, sure. But it's just like Guns N' Roses came around and go like, uh, no, they started singing about drug abuse. They started singing about, you know, uh, you know, the stuff they went through on the streets. Sure. And, well, even to this day, Appetite for Destruction is, you know, one of the all time top like referenced albums when you're talking about, you know, the music industry in general. Yep, exactly. And so for the longest time, for the last 20 years, I, I never strayed from the direction that I've always wanted. I always wanted the 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 Aerosmith, the Guns N' Roses, the the ACDC. It was mm -hmm. just like to me. You know, too many bands were, you know, they were following the time. They just wanted to, for better lack of words, a lot of them became sellouts. You know, they just, they, sure. they wanted to become, you know, they, they went with what was popular. Fit the current landscape of the music industry so they could actually push a career kind of thing. Right, exactly. And for me, for 20 years, I never wavered from that bluesy hard rock feel. Very cool. So I'll, I'll be the first to admit, it's been kind of hard trying to find the right people that still wanted to, you know, that, that had the same belief as me. Sure. You know, and then when you did find the right people, you had to be careful because I, I ran into a lot of flakes back in the day. Uh, well, I commonly refer to myself as a flake because I feel like I flake out on things. Um, how do you, how would that description uh, fit what you're intending to say? Like, what do you mean when you're calling somebody a flake? Well, okay. I, I don't mean, I mean, it's one thing, it's one thing when you have a person that goes like, hey, I'll try it, hey, that, that sounds like a cool idea, and then th they come to realize, well, maybe this is not for me. That's not a flake. Sure. Okay. Okay, sure. You know, there are certain people that say, hey, it sounds like a good idea, I'll give it a shot, uh, but, you know, I, I don't expect a lot of people to be as obsessed with, you know, this style as I am, and I am obsessed. Sure. You know, I'll be the first one to admit that. Uh, the type of flake are the ones that uh, uh, don't want to practice. Uh, they don't. They uh, uh, make excuses why, uh, you know, they're going like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then, oh, I didn't have time to do this. You know, uh, sure. I've even had people I've even had people that come in saying, oh, I love your style of music, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then once they're in the band, they tried hijacking it. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the people that, you know, they they go at it the wrong way it's kind of hard to you know there's some people that want to take it seriously there's other people that for example they prefer to uh, get high or they prefer to get drunk over actually trying to bring the band to the next level sure that's actually one of the kind of discussion posts that i have on my channel is about how it's really difficult for bands to identify with the people that they're auditioning right off the bat because you can never really upfront tell what somebody's ambition is for getting into a band like what do they want mm. out of it and what like is their trajectory that they foresee out of it you know and and like right. you like you said some people will get in there and just try to hijack the thing yeah i've had that a couple of times so <laughs> so wh while you were forming have 
have you kind of always spearheaded the Outlaw Saint band and you haven't really ventured too far out of that to play with other bands or anything? Or is this kind of the sole project that you want to be your legacy? Well, uh, for the last 10 years, uh, this has been the spearheading. This is, you know, this is what I want the legacy to be. Okay, sure. You know, to, to me, I, I have tried for other bands. Um, I was even in one of those uh, unique positions where, you know, you got to decide, you know, if you want to be in a cover band or if you want to be in an original band. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's even been people that were going like, yeah, I want to try the original thing. But when they find out, oh, well, I'm not making as much money as I used to, oh, mm -hmm. I'm no longer interested. Or that you it's know, actually I, really hard work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. so as you've been spearheading the Outlaw Saint um, band project, the, one of the probably many words I'll refer to it as, um, how did you kind of pinpoint who were going to be your core members versus uh, the flakes that would come in and out of like the audition process and then actually finally stick with you? Well, uh, basically what I started doing is, is I started having interviews and in my interviews, I, I would tell them exactly, hey, this is this is what to expect. Okay. You know, I, uh, for example, it's just like, you know, the first thing that I told a lot of people when auditioning, you know, when they were interested in auditioning, you're not going to make a whole lot of money doing this. Sure. You know, it's, it's just like uh, you, you, we have to work hard in order to, you know, get to half the places that a lot of, a lot of cover bands would get. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that fishing out was – I, I I usually uh, one of my uh, on phone interviews, for example, would uh, usually take about an hour. Okay. <laughs> like every time you audition somebody, it would be like an hour interview, being like, "You're gonna do this. It's gonna be like this sort of well, thing." Well, sort of, sort of. I do I do leave. I, I'm not a total. Um, I don't feel I'm a total dictator. Okay. Um, you know, when it comes to the band, I am open to other people's ideas as long as it follows a certain uh path for example you know the one path is you know i want the music to be you know bluesy hard rock i don't want to go mm -hmm. from guns and roses to uh to like testament or slayer you know sure sure you know as long as hey as long as we're on a certain path you know if you have any ideas bring them to me i'm all i'm all up for ideas right as long as it kind of fits into the vein that you're looking for exactly exactly so it's just uh for example uh with outlaw saint right now we uh have a guy named uh, uh we call him well he calls himself voodoo billy okay cool and and what's really cool is is that uh when he first came in uh we had this one sound and he goes like okay so he sets up his um his pedal board mm -hmm. and he's and he walks in and he's going like okay you guys say you want to sound like acdc guns and roses and mm -hmm. says, well, this, he said, this is what you guys sound like right now. So he starts, you know, playing a few things. Okay. And he says, well, see, he says, now, this is a little bit heavier than what you say you're looking for. Um, and he says, to be honest, if you're going to go that heavy, I might not be interested. But if this is what you're looking for, and he turns like several knobs on his, you know, on his, on his board. And next thing you know, he sounded like, uh, he sounded like Bon Era Scott Angus Young. Oh, nice. As it's like you could literally tell the difference between what he was playing and what we were playing. Wow. And then uh, so it's just like at that point it's going like he's going like, So, is this what you guys want? And we're going like and I'm thinking to myself, 
you know, in the back of my mind, I'm going like, yes, this is what we want. And yes, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> that's almost an, that's almost a no brainer. Cause musicians like that, that can dial in like a style like that, just like, uh, like recalling it from memory. Those, those musicians mm-hmm. are very valuable. Yes. And he has some ideas that, uh, well, okay. So say for example, for over the last few years, I've always marketed the band as heavily influenced by Guns N' Roses and ACDC. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that, you know, I was, I was, I was trying to get a certain niche, you know, cause it's one of those, Hey, if you just say that, you know, you're a hard rock band. Okay. That hard rock could be anywhere from Guns N' Roses to, uh, Alter Bridge. Sure. You know, you know, two different styles or whatnot, but mm-hmm. it's just like, he made the suggestion. So basically right now, instead of saying we're heavily influenced by Guns N' Roses and ACDC, we're basically saying we've got, uh, basically, uh, uh, bluesy hard rock anthems mixed with a, uh, gung ho rock show. Sure. Sure. Right before we got on the phone, we were talking about, uh, canceled shows and everything since it's 2020 yeah. and all hell is breaking loose. Um, what have been some of like the interactions that you've had with like other bands that you've been on the bill with? Do they try to put you with other similar sounding things? Or I imagine in some cases they'll try to like fill out a lineup with like different styles. Like how, how has uh, that balance worked out? Well, as a rule, I'm the one that's usually setting up the shows at in certain areas okay. uh, or a majority of them. And uh, I, I would, there'll be one night that I'll do a metal and rock show. There'll be another night. It's just all bluesy rock. You know, it just all depends. And uh, so let's just say that we have a four band night, two bands are are bluesy rock, you know, two are metal. You know, I would do, I would uh, do a gradual, you know, I'd start off with the two blue, you know, the bluesy rock bands and then go into the metal instead of, you know, going from rock to metal, back to rock to metal. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. And, like, what have been some of, like, the more tense moments, like, when you've been dealing with setting up a bill like that where one band feels like they should be at a different spot than a different band? And Well, actually, I don't really come across that problem all too much, uh, just for the main fact that, you know, we, we do have... Uh, um, I try to work with everyone as far as, hey, what spot do you want? You know, what spot do you want? We would prefer to have a spot, but we wouldn't mind having this spot if you want our spot. Sure, sure. Uh, so tell me a little bit about um, the way that you've kind of uh, worked with your musicians to kind of get to the point where they'll develop a song and then you'll come in there and uh, use like your uh ear to kind of put in like your um your part to it like your singing your vocals uh well things have been a little bit different uh with this uh current lineup that we have Mm -hmm. uh compared to other times uh other times it's just like you know someone would have an idea for a riff you know one riff and then we would build on it hey do we want to do a pre-chorus here you know or or whatnot uh with voodoo billy he brings he has a whole bunch of riffs that you know that just he's been working on for years you know it's just and what's really cool is that he's also uh he he's um multi-genre you know he mm-hmm. he he likes country he'll do stuff that's country he'll do stuff that's rock um he some metal and you know it's it's just he he it started off he came up with an idea hey you know 
how about this? You know, he he what he did was is that he the uh, first few songs he accidentally not accidentally I mean probably not the right term but uh, he just put some ideas out and mm-hmm. it just turns out he was just jamming. And I was listening to it, and I'm going, well, if we switch this here with this here, that's an actual song. It's always really nice when it comes out really fluent like that. Yep. And then as far as lyrics are concerned, uh, I'll have something that happens to me, and it's just like it just happens to fit the song. (laughs) Uh, The first song we wrote called Backseat Treaty is just like he had something that was very ACDC-ish, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it just so happened that I had – an interesting encounter with you know what became at the time a friends with benefits okay and uh, <laughs> and it was just like the words just came to me you know as we were writing as we were writing the song and uh yeah it was just it was just one of those where it, just, it happened you know just recently and sure. you know i was able to put the the lyrics down on it so Awesome. So with through the uh, decade that you've been doing Outlaw Saint and then uh, your previous time in like getting into music, uh, tell me one or two of like one of the most memorable things that uh, has happened throughout that time. Well, I used to be uh, a lot of my practice uh, started with something called Amateur Band Jam Night uh, during uh, the was it? it was the late 90s. And basically, think about it this way. All these open jams that you see nowadays mm-hmm. was started back in 98 with a band called UKI uh, featuring uh, members of Slave Raider. Okay. They started the whole thing. And, th- and that's where I got a lot of my experience with my performing and such. Sure. And at the time, I come to realize, oh, you know, I'm not the best singer in the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I went to see Poison in uh, 1999. Okay. Uh, the first, uh, the first, uh, what was it? It was it was the first uh, reunion tour with uh, CC Deville. Oh, cool! And and I'm there, and I see the way that they're moving on stage, you know, and it's just like that was my epitome. I'm going like epiphany. I'm going like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm not the best singer in the world, but I'm gonna put on a show. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna be the one that's gonna be moving all over the place. And when I came back. I started um, studying a guy named um, um, uh, Mike Schneider, uh, uh, who uh, is actually, we call him Happy. He's actually a guitar player for a Hairball. Oh, cool. And if you've ever seen Hairball, you've seen this guy. I mean, this guy is all over the place. So it's just like I started studying him and, you know, it's just, this guy, we had some wild times. I mean, there's so many stories of things that happened during this band jam. It was just, uh, you know, it was just amazing. You know, uh, okay, to give you an example, we had a guy named Otis who was um, uh, multi-instrumental. So it's just like, you know, if someone needed a bass player or a singer for a certain song, he, he would be there. Well, for whatever reason, <laughs> don't know how it started, but there became a tradition where Every time he would play drums, me, Happy, and a guy named uh, Russ Lund, who went by the name Sleazy, mm-hmm. uh, everyone everyone knew that as soon as he played drums, the three of us would get up there and moon him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just so many other things going on. So, But that's just an example. So before I let you go, I, I want you to uh, give me all of like your social media plugs, your website, anything else that you want, anybody that might listen to this um, uh, to know and where to go to find more information about you. 
And then after that, I, I always like to give the person that I interview the last word, like a message that you kind of want to be remembered by. Uh, so why don't you give me your plugs and then also your last word? Okay. Uh, outlawsaint.net, all one word. And there's no the at the beginning, no S at the end, singular. Uh, outlawsaint.net, uh, Facebook at Reverb Nation slash Outlawsaint, uh, YouTube.com, Outlawsaint TV as in television. And, uh, you know, those are the ones that we, that we usually go by. Uh, as far as last word, hey, you know, if, if anyone out there is looking for, you know, energetic, you know, bluesy, hard rock anthems, you know, gung-ho live show, you know, come check out Outlaw Saint.